Welcome back to The Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Handmixed World, and today we'll be chatting with Tim Martin. Originally from the US, Tim is co-founder and COO of Citizen Remote, a digital resource for remote workers to access all of the information they need for their next trip, such as digital nomad visas, travel programs, and other incentives. In this episode, we talk about the ins and outs of digital nomad visas, as well as the need for a tool like Citizen Remote, and the importance of building a community as a digital nomad. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. Amazing. So we are live on the Remote Life podcast. I'm here with Tim Martin. How are you today, Tim? Excellent. I'm excited. Good. Me too. So why don't you just kick things straight off and you introduce yourself and your remote life journey so far? Yeah. So I guess my remote life journey would have started, I guess, kind of around the pandemic. Because before that, I was doing entrepreneur consulting in person, real estate before that. I did do a bit of investing, but that's not really remote work. So it definitely started when I moved to Italy and then Spain. And from there, I've now co-founded a company called Citizen Remote. And our entire team is remote, uh, hence the name. And that's kind of where I'm at today. Amazing stuff. So why don't you explain more about Citizen Remote and what you guys get up to? Yeah. So Citizen Remote is an app where essentially we help people relocate around the world. So we help them from anything from digital nomad visas is our main niche. And we're building our automation technology around that. And then we can go all the way to accommodation, events, connectivity, once you've relocated and more. So we're kind of trying to lump in all of the pain points that come with traveling around the world into one platform. What would you say? You say you mentioned pain points. What is like the most common pain point, would you say, for a digital nomad? I feel like me and you can dive into that considering what we've dealt with here, this journey alone. And we can go into that in another podcast or another time. But yeah, so some of the pain points is essentially once you get somewhere, then what? You know, we were talking the other day about this, actually, like, what apps do you use to order food or get a taxi? Um, Who do you connect with? What events are happening? And are they in your language? What currency can you use? There are so many different things that come with setting up in a new country that if, you know, you're English and you're going to Australia, maybe not too much of an issue. But if you're, you know, from the US or Canada and you're going to Indonesia, there's there's going to be some issues with that. Uh, even a lot of places in Europe, unfamiliar territory. So uh, those are kind of the, some of the pain points that we're trying to tackle within our platform. Nice. Good stuff. And also you mentioned that you uh, lived abroad a couple of times. Where's been your favorite destination as a nomad so far? Living abroad, I'd say. Well, yeah, it's so difficult. Do you consider yourself a digital nomad or, uh, no, definitely. or a remote lifer? You don't? I, I'd say I'm a remote lifer for sure. Um, nice. Yes. And so the more I've gotten into this, you know, I guess... I don't want to call it public sphere, but public sphere, you know, there is, we're, we're niching ourselves into specific categories. That's probably not the right term, but you understand. And so I guess I'd say I'm a slow med more than anything, because I do like to move every, you know, six months to a year, year and a half, whether that be from Barcelona to Malaga or Australia to Italy. I do like to move around a bit. As do we all. Yeah, exactly. But I don't like to do it as quickly. So I definitely would say I'm not a digital nomad. Okay, so then better question, where is on your list to slow mad? Mm, That is a good question. I would say, well, so it was Croatia for the longest time. But now that I've been just right here, and I'm about to spend a few days in split, I'll probably circle back around to that. I do want to go up to kind of the Nordic countries in Northern Europe really badly. 
Norway or Germany are probably the two um, on my list there. I would absolutely love to. I've seen so many like uh, van lifers on YouTube taking like their campers around Norway in the summer. It looks oh. amazing. Yeah, I didn't That's even know. Like, like I always thought Sweden. Yeah. yeah, I always thought Sweden was the place to go. And then I met a guy from Sweden in Australia, and he said, "No, don't go to Sweden. Go to Norway." And I was like, "What?" I always thought it was flipped in regards to just like the natural beauty and the things to do. And he said, "I guess more so for the natural beauty, Norway's where it's at." I mean, yeah, personally, I've only been to Stockholm and I still loved it and want to go back. But yeah, I say for me, even flying into Oslo and you're just looking over these fjords and there's like one car on the road, you're like, ah, this looks insane. Mm -hmm. And they have the Northern Lights up there too, don't they? I'm going to say yes. They have to. Can neither confirm nor deny. Fair, we'll take that. (laughs) Awesome stuff. Um, So coming back around to Citizen Remote, like why is it important for people? Like why should we be coming to Citizen Remote? I guess it's pretty much important if you are just kind of going out for the first time, just not interested. If you work remotely from home and they don't require you to be in one location and you're like, I want to explore a bit. It's a really good platform to get introduced to not only digital nomad lifestyle, international lifestyle, uh, just mobility across borders. So it's a really good platform and, you know, we'd recommend checking out and getting involved as we develop more and more features within within the app and in our website. Yeah, so it's kind of, obviously, we've, we've got to know each other very well for the last three weeks. It feels like there's a good offering for both nomads and brands as well. Like, what would you like brands to know? about system remote yeah that that is thank you for that i appreciate ah. that so brands is also there's a really good opportunity to kind of get exposure for those who maybe don't want to battle on google or maybe they just don't have the capacity to do that and the cool thing is is when you do travel around the world and you meet people and you live in places for a long time you get exposed to things that you would never find on any search or even if you've been there for a month or two and they're just something that pops up after a long time. And so that's what we are hoping the community will develop and our partners within the uh, community and the platform will be excited to show you know, our growing audience where those hidden gyms are located around the world. Amazing. Yeah. So obviously talking of community, I feel like we've really discovered that community is a huge part of being a digital nomad. I thought, oh, remote lifer, uh, however you choose to identify. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's a slow man. Okay, please. So why would you say community is specifically important to you when you are slow matting? So that's a good question. I wouldn't say that a community is necessarily important as much as integrating and finding more out about the culture I'm going to visit. Um, So obviously a community will eventually be important, especially if you live there long term. So that's a benefit. But for me, it's I want to know what those hidden gyms are. I want to figure out that and I want to find, you know, events or locals or, you know, just go out and sit in a bar. That's kind of my thing. And somebody comes up and you start chatting and finding out history about the place, you know, the way people act day to day. And that's my biggest thing about, I guess, the community aspect of traveling. So, Yeah, I definitely agree. I think... I mean, obviously here on the podcast, we go by home is where my laptop is, but I definitely, it's more about the connection than the physical tech itself. And being able to stay obviously connected with friends back home is just so important. And even when I'm going away, I'm always looking for ways to connect with locals or like, you know, obviously we've completely by chance, um, had a chance to meet and it's been epic. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be a very interesting thing to try and develop. And it is very interesting watching different groups. 
yeah, themselves. And I, yeah, I totally agree. And I guess one thing I'd say is, you know, you, me over the last few weeks, I'm not a social media guy. Uh, I've never really? been. I've never really been. Kind of because of that, we, and neither is the my other founder, Peter, and we created a platform with that in mind, is that we didn't really want to create a platform where you live on the platform, but you utilize the platform to live in real life and experience in real life. So the tools we built, while some are great online, you know, they're intended to be utilized for you in the real world. So thoughts on VR headsets, Web3? Facebook and because I've seen examples like Gymshark have done their podcasts within the Facebook metaverse. Really? That would be cool. I didn't think I'd be convinced. And I'm already thinking if we've all got headsets like that, Mm. like that would make podcasting so much fun. Oh, yeah. Thoughts? No. System remote? Yeah. And so that is something that Peter, the the other founder, I don't know if I mentioned him by name yet, is very excited about. Um, And he has one. A funny backstory is his sister gave it to him after using it for four hours and she <laughs> threw up everywhere after taking it uh, off for four yeah. hours. And, and so she was like, I don't ever want this thing. And Peter was like, sweet, I'll take it. And he said it was the coolest thing ever. Um, and, you know, the tech is infantile yeah. in, in its stage right now. And so, you know, we're definitely thinking about that and how to utilize that. And yeah, so, you know, that'll be later on, but we're excited about it for sure. Yeah, so we just had a quick uh, food break uh, when I educated Tim on the Gymshark podcast on Facebook. How are you feeling about that, Tim? Uh, that's where my company will now move to. So <laughs> everything I said about Citizen Remote, ignore it. <laughs> We've shifted. We're in the Web3, people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was very cool. Um, and I think it'll be really good for remote work, honestly. Like, I can see that, you know, uh, an entire remote team who has those kind of VR, you know, plugins, it'll make it, there'll there'll be a culture around it for sure. Yeah. I'd be interested to see myself. I think from my perspective, I still definitely like meeting up with people in person, Mm -hmm. but I think there is definitely a space for it. And honestly, I I was definitely not convinced until I saw it and I thought, oh, there's another level there. Yeah. I mean, just compared to like, if, if I had the choice between meeting my dev team in a meeting on Google Meets or Zoom or whatever, or meeting in a table in VR, like and seeing what they're doing, I choose the latter every time. I choose the latter. Yeah, exactly. So just reading it back a bit to community, building a community as digital nomad, remote life first, nomad. What are your thoughts on kind of building a platform that is completely international as opposed to say like specific to a region? It's a lot of work. Mm. Um, Yeah, there is so much that has to go into it. And it really is one of those things that if you want it to be built correctly, it involves, you know, you're probably going to need some local presence, uh, whether that be an ambassador or people on the ground in that country to get things going and built to some extent. So for what we're doing with Visa Help, to be able to just go on Google and try to figure out what all there is happening in that country with regulation, it's just not going to be effective. For example, the other day, I think I saw that Malta is now charging taxes for digital nomad visas, which is just not true because I reached out to our partner and I said, so what's going on with this? Can you fill me in? And he's like, 
I have no idea where that came from, but it's stressing my life out. Fake news. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, you know, building such a broad and international thing, uh, it requires a lot of work. And yeah, you got to be, you got to have some presence there. Yes, yeah, so you guys have partners, right? And you call them partners as opposed to community managers. Any particular reason or? Not really. We don't really care much about the labels of things. Oh, I'm sorry, hipster. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Come on now. Just like I didn't care if I was a digital nomad, slumad, or remote worker. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's just something that, yeah, I, I like the term partner. It makes it feel like, you know, we're working together. If they want to be called a community manager, we can call them that as well. If they want to be an ambassador, like, I don't care. Yeah, no, I'm just curious because I see community manager floats around quite a bit. Not so much partners. Um, but I think that presence is 100% something that's super important on the ground. So even if you have got this international community, I think... Yeah, you've got to have somebody who knows the area, who wants to be based in the area, and just overall knows their stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I guess partner is is more geared towards our law teams um, internationally as opposed to, yeah, like an ambassador is, I guess, what we'd call what would be a community manager, but we can also have those. So, so I guess that maybe was the lost in translation there. No, not lost in translation. It's simply a question. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of more questions, tell us more about visas and things that people should know. Spain, Italy, and South America aren't, or South America, uh, South Africa are not out yet. Neither is Argentina. So those are all coming. Montenegro is not out yet. And people are always like, oh, I saw this thing in Spain that it's now out. Can I go there? Um, So that's the main thing to know about digital nomad visas. Uh, The other thing is probably there are one or two or three that have passed to residence residency but most of them are something that you can spend 12 months in and pay taxes in your home country and enjoy you know living somewhere abroad for you know up to 12 months and possibly extend that so i mean they're really really cool tools if you want to experience you know life in another country for more than just a vacation you know get set up get rent there get a sim card find a little home and tour around that area for a while I guess that's where we were having this discussion uh, on the road the other day where, for me, the term digital nomad visa gets very confusing, I think, because a lot of people who think, right, I'm going to up and remote work. Do I need a visa? Oh, my gosh. Like, what do I do? And I think that's why I I ask about, like, do you identify as digital nomad? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to your clients? Because it means something different to everybody. But I was um, talking to the guys from Heaven on a previous episode who said, yeah, they've got very specific terms for when like someone goes from being a tourist to an expat to a slow mad and it all gets a little bit confusing thoughts yeah no absolutely so i think globally they missed the mark on labeling those uh properly and i think that that's also what's causing people like pluma to kind of you know have plumia? a yeah there you go plumia to <laughs> you know really don't care about labels <laughs> um no People like Plumia to have a, you know, care and and voice is because they're pretty much representing and saying, look, these are not digital nomad visas. And they're right, technically, by the definition of what a digital nomad is. They are definitely more remote working visas, but they can be utilized for digital nomads. They absolutely can be utilized for digital nomads, you know, past what is three months. The setup is a bit laggy a bit a bit of a struggle and that's something that we're helping to alleviate uh building and automating so 
because there is that issue of those wanting to kind of travel quickly, travel easily, the cost associated, having to get a lawyer potentially in some places, there's just too much of a struggle. Um, and so, yeah, what we're building helps those digital nomads get, you know, and apply and obtain that visa a lot quicker if they want to stay over three months. Um, and then for remote workers, obviously, you know, it, we definitely help with those who want to stay for longer than three months up to a year and potentially more. Yeah, I was wondering, I suppose if you really had to, like, say a client comes up to you like in the next hour and says, right, explain the difference to me. How would you do it? How would you break that down? The difference between a remote worker and a digital nomad? All of these labels. Because oh, I feel like from okay. my perspective, I, I'm sitting here going like, I saw the evolution of like blogger to content creator to influencer. Yeah. And obviously the media, mainstream media has taken influencer. And that's just the most palatable term. Yeah. Just like now... We have all these different things. You know, we've got people who prefer to be like an expat. Some people want to be um, yeah, a remote worker, a remote lifer here on this podcast. And the media seems to, or just mainstream, people take digital nomad as the palatable term. Yeah. So if you had to break it down for yourself so that your client can understand it better. Yeah. What would you say? All right. So I'd say it's kind of like that rectangle and box or square what analogy to where is it the square fits inside of a rectangle but no the other way around square peg in a round no it's like a square will fit inside of a rectangle but a rectangle won't fit inside of a square now that's it okay so anyways cool terrible analogy let's just (laughs) throw that one out the window (laughs) but essentially what it is is it kind of breaks down to they're pretty much all if you're well expats don't have to be remote workers i guess so expats are kind of on their own thing. It's pretty much somebody living in another country who is from a different country. So a U.S. living in Spain or... Yeah, that's I think that's pretty well understood. Remote workers, somebody who doesn't have to go to a physical office. That one's pretty obvious as well. And then digital nomads and slow mads fit into the remote worker category, except it's how often they move. So... Expats can be remote workers, but then and nomads can be remote workers. Nomads are essentially under three months, I'd say, is about right. So they're usually hopping around on tourist visas. Maybe they'll hop, you know, a border and then come back to where they're at. But then that kind of crosses into the line of a slow mad, which is somebody who is taking, I mean, I guess it would be over three months, but I would usually consider a slow mad like what, six plus months in a place which I guess can get into a debate, but it's essentially the only difference between a slow mad and a nomad is slow mads take a lot longer to move around and they kind of set up in a place for a bit. So it, does that, does that, do you agree? I guess that would do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I think as different people have uh, different opinions on it. So it's good to know, I guess more from obviously your brand side of things that therefore people probably feel more secure in understanding that. So obviously we've been spending time here in Herzegovina for nearly a month now uh, on a pilot program uh, for digital nomads uh, to experience this very beautiful region. Any takeaways, anything not like for, from a business perspective or like just in terms of what you think could be particularly interesting in the digital nomad space in the future, whether from a destination perspective or not? Yeah, I mean, I would say that this will potentially be the new Croatia in the sense of, hey, my Schengen has run out. I'm running to this place. I think that that's what they're competing for. I think that that's what they're aware of. And I think that that's partially why we're here, you know, because there is also Montenegro that they're going to be competing with, Bulgaria that they're going to be competing with. 
Albania? Is, are they mm-hmm. part of um, the EU already or the Schengen? I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, let's no. just pretend that they are not for this argument. So they are essentially trying to be that new destination um, after Croatia enters the EU in the Schengen as of, well, not enters the EU, enters the Schengen and adopts the euro as of January 1st, 2023. So I think that that is going to be a really exciting opportunity for Bosnia and Herzegovina. It's a fantastic area. It is really cool in regards to, you know, the mountain life, I'd say, mountain and rivers. They have a little bit of a coast that that you've been to. Tiny, yeah. I think we're going there in a few days. You know, there's not that beach life, but those who are wanting to kind of be the more, you know, mid-continental, outdoorsy, mountain, biking, fly fishing, whatever you want to do, rafting, this is going to be a really cool opportunity for people to... If they time it correctly, spend you know their three months resetting their visa in a very activity friendly um, and honestly culturally friendly place. I, I have you know mostly nothing but good things to say about Bosnia and Herzegovina. So yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely didn't know enough about the destination before I got here, and was just honestly blown away by like the history, the culture, of course, the food. Uh, yeah, uh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the wine? Of, I was shocked. The wine? And cheese. And cheese, yeah. And cheese. <laughs> and I love the cheese. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many wineries and yeah, just so many undiscovered gems. Dare I say, I feel like as a content creator, I'm going, why did you say hidden gems? But so many hidden gems yeah. as well to discover. And yeah, absolutely. Like shout out to the Garancy guys for an epic like quad biking, horse riding. They're doing some incredible stuff that basketball court, tennis court. Hey. They have a gym slash spa upstairs. It, yeah. That place was really cool. And every room has its own Wi-Fi. I mean, literally the dream. <laughs> like, what else do you need? <laughs> well, I fed coffee and maybe wine. But yeah, no, I think definitely it would be interesting to see how somewhere like Garancy, which is only, tw- you wouldn't believe it was only 20 minute drive. Yeah. And the m- craziest part was what did Anna Maria say? Like 10 euros? Something like that for, for, that, a, taxi. for a taxi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Insane. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. So I feel like it's definitely got a lot to offer. And I like the concept that like you could go to the country and like you're really very much like in your own little bubble to create your product, create your app, like whatever it is that you're looking to do next. I think it will be a really exciting opportunity in that respect too. So Garancy was one of your favorites then, huh? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah, no, it, it was cool, especially for like small teams. Like if you got a small team or you're just, you know, a few founders trying to go out and, you know, get away, like that's a really good area. So we're coming back for retreat. Yeah. yeah. Retreat and grant. <laughs> See guys. Hint, hint. Um, yeah. <laughs> is there anything else that you think that people may not have known about Bosnia that you're kind of like, they, they need to know? Not really. But I mean... Well, I guess I can say not really because I've been here and I've learned so much. Because going here, I knew nothing about it. Apparently, they have a history of war. I didn't know. But, you know... Just in European. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. But, like, I did not get that vibe at all. They have a beautiful... Like, Mostar has the the coolest, like, old Eastern European feel to it with, you know, what they've done in their downtown. The rivers are beautiful. Like, it's there's just so much to it. it. It's very well designed it's very the people are so nice the food is so good like i feel like i could move here and not have accomplished everything that they have to offer in two years so i guess that's yeah so come here because i won't be able to say all the things that they have and were there like kind of any interesting 
conversations that you picked up that you're like, oh, okay, wow, this is really quite like something. This could be a new thing. In regards to what, like investments or just investments, destinations? Any or? business conversations that you were like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Nome is going to be a good destination if it's not already uh, for people wanting to experience the, what, 25K beach that they have. And then, yeah, I mean, other than that, I think it's going to be a really good area to invest in the near future, barring a few regulatory hurdles. Um, and then not necessarily, you know, I've, I've had plenty of conversations <laughs> yeah. and people have been really nice. So I guess I have nothing, again, like I said, but amazing things to say about this country. So basically, Tim's going to move to Mostar next. Very soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just needs to get himself a partner here first it's the remote her. Or you could you could be the partner for Citizen Remote. Yeah, I could just open up the entity over yeah. here. We'll hey just... guys, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So, final question, Tim. Yes. Fill in the blank. Home is where. Where your laptop is. Boom! Oh, nailed it. <laughs> Ten points for Gryffindor. <laughs> that was terrible, wasn't it? That was perfect, Tim. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate the shout out. And thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a pleasure meeting you over the past, <laughs> what, month now, I guess. Oh, your friends. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll see you in London, yeah? Let's do it. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life. And thank you, Tim, for taking the time to speak with us. You can find links to Tim's LinkedIn profile and Citizen Remote below. Thank you so much again for listening. And we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.